Welcome to The Kate Show, a weekly marketing podcast for interior designers and home stagers. Hosted by author, entrepreneur, and marketing consultant, Kate the Socialite. Each week, you'll learn helpful tips on how to make social media easier, how to grow your mailing list, and how to simplify every area of marketing and advertising your business. With her blunt, no-fluff approach, Kate stands up for business owners who want real results in their marketing, but have limited time or resources. And now, please welcome your host, Kate the Socialite. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. So over the weekend, I was at a landscape build and remodel expo with my husband and it was super exciting because we are building a log home in about three months and it was just cool to see all the different subcontractors, even though we have ours already picked out and you know scheduled and all of that. It was so cool to see what they were offering and to see how creative people got with their booths, especially the landscapers. Oh my goodness, they had like entire fountains set up and just beautiful brickwork everywhere. It was gorgeous. It gave me lots of ideas and oh my goodness, if I could just win the lottery, I would go to town on all my landscaping, but neither here nor there. Okay, so I have worked and attended quite a few expos, and there are certain things that people do when they're working expos that are huge, major freaking turn-offs, and I'm going to go through what some of those are today because I don't want you guys to be turning down good leads I want you guys to really get a lot out of all the money you put into attending an expo as a business because let's be honest, uh, it's not cheap. You can not only do you have to pay your employees or you know pay yourself, but you also have to get all of your equipment there. You have to set up. It's exhausting. I mean, there's something about standing on those hard floors for even five hours in one day that just drains the life out of me. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I mean, there's no amount of convention center coffee that will get rid of the lag and drag you feel when you've been at an expo for, well, more than an hour. Okay, so As we were walking around the convention center, which by the way was at the Monona Terrace, and you guys would love it so much. If you've ever visited Madison and you've seen the Monona Terrace, you know that it was designed shortly after Frank Lloyd Wright's death, and it was designed with him in mind. So it's got a very, very unique architectural design, and you guys, you would just love it. But I went there yes, to see the architecture, and yes, to just walk around with my husband because that's kind of what we do for fun lately. We just go look at other things we can put in our house. But as we were walking around, I noticed that the people working the different booths had some pretty interesting approaches. Now, the gourmet chef that was on site was very engaging, but then again, food in its very nature is engaging. And he was talking to people. People actually sat down in front of him and listened to him. They wanted the free food that he was cooking. I mean, that's a really good motivator right there. And then there were other people, like the lady running the Mary Kay makeup booth, who just kind of stood there and acted kind of shy, like she was almost ashamed to be there. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about Mary Kay. I don't use their makeup, but... I do have to point out that your 
personal demeanor when you're working an expo really matters. And if you look like you hate your life, why would anyone want to come talk to you? And if you look like you're ashamed to be there, it doesn't give the potential consumer, aka me in that moment, very much confidence in what you're selling. Now, moving on, we came across the most gorgeous little setup that was all like driftwood and log furniture. It was pricey, but it was so worth it. And I had to drag my husband away before he bought everything because it would look so perfect in our log home. Now, the interesting thing is the guy working that particular booth was running all around and we had questions, but he wasn't there to answer them. So it would be really good if you run a booth to also be present in that booth. I know, I know, it seems like a no-brainer, but it can be really easy to get distracted and get bored, especially if people are just trickling through and you don't have a steady flow of potential leads to talk to. But it's important that you stay at your post. After all, you've paid thousands of dollars to be there. You better make sure that you show up. Now, a little caveat on, caveat on this. Our log home designer and salesman told me a great story about a month ago when we were doing final selections. He was like, you know, I attend a lot of log home shows all over the U.S. And I do get people signing up and interested in getting log homes, which, by the way, they can be hard to sell. They're not exactly the cheapest thing in the world. Um, but he said, the interesting thing is when you are grouped into a large convention center with all of your competitors, it can be extremely difficult to stand out because after a while, at least from the consumer's perspective, everything becomes a blur. Everyone is selling something. They're shoving business cards in your face. They want you to join raffles so they can get your information and then spam you later. Okay, that's just the truth of it, and it does get really annoying as a consumer. So what he was saying is he just tries to be consistent. He tries to show up in his booth, and he's not selling any small-dollar items here. I mean, his homes are easily starting at half a million and going up to five, six, even seven, ten million. So it's important for him that he shows up every single minute because he paid for that booth, and he understands the importance of being a consistent salesman, one that is present, one that is willing to engage with anyone who walks by. Now, here's the interesting thing. He said that at the end of one of his expos, everyone was breaking down their booths about 15 minutes too soon. I understand. I mean, I'm sure you guys understand too. It's like, oh my gosh, we have 15 minutes left until this expo is done forever. I can't wait to get out of here because I feel like my soul is dying. I've been there. But you're not supposed to do that. You are supposed to wait until all consumers have left the building and it's officially the end of the expo before you start breaking down your booth. Well, this guy knew that, our log home salesman, and he was a little irritated that people around him were breaking down their booths when there were still other consumers walking through the show. So he didn't do anything. He just stayed at his post and he did his job. Now here's the cool part. There was someone walking through the crowd that night who said, you know, I really want a log home, but I see all these vendors are leaving. So, hey, you're the only one here. I guess I'll talk to you. 
And it turns out that that conversation that man had with our salesman led to not just one home, not just two homes, but currently 10 homes and counting mountain homes in Colorado because that man not only became a customer that night, he later became a dealer for the same company. So it has led to tens of millions of dollars in sales, all because that guy did not pack up his booth at the expo too soon. So let this be a lesson to all of us. We have to show up and be present the entire time. Every minute does matter. If you need to run off to the bathroom, make sure your coworker or your team member are still at your booth. And give people a time of day. You need to respect the fact that they took time out of their afternoon or their weekend to be at the expo. And if you've invested thousands of dollars to be there, well, why wouldn't you be there? All right, so I'll get off my soapbox about that particular issue and get on another soapbox about something else. So. As I said, my husband and I are getting done with the design phase of our new log home, which means that we've had to pick out fixtures, furnishings, and you know countertops, fun stuff like that. And I'm absolutely in love with Cambria Quartz countertops. Now I can hear all of my designers out there cheering because I've never heard a bad thing about Cambria and that's awesome. But this show is not about Cambria. Instead, it is about what someone at this expo told me about quartz countertops, not just Cambria. And it was a little concerning. In fact, I'm still bothered about it even today. So let me tell you what it is. We were walking through the expo and we came across a company that specialized in stone countertops. Now, they seemed really nice and really knowledgeable. And as I started talking to them and my husband started asking them all the questions, since my husband's a remodeling carpenter and he knows what to ask, I was listening to what this guy was saying and it wasn't making any sense. He was saying that if you put hot objects on a quartz countertop, that countertop will bubble, crack, and basically be ruined forever. And I was like, oh no, I, I would have ruined my countertop because I thought for sure it was okay to set hot things on that countertop. So I quickly went over to a remodeling contractor that my husband used to work for. They were also at the show and I cross-referenced what this guy was saying. I was like, now wait a minute. They told me the the quartz countertop would be ruined if I did this. And (laughs) the contractor looked at me in utter disbelief and he was like, no, quartz is completely safe. You can put a cake pan on it that you just pulled out of the oven. It's not going to hurt anything. Not only that, but it's also listed by the FDA as being a very food safe surface. So I left that show feeling really confused, used and lied to by that first company because instead of giving me accurate information, they gave me inaccurate information so that they would look better to me and so that I would want to work with them and buy their materials. And of course they were trying to sell me granite which is fine, but I have nothing against granite. What I do have something against is inaccurate information told for no other reason than to sway the public. Because let's face it, I'm not an interior designer. I'm not in the trades. I've got a husband who's in the trades, but it doesn't mean that either of us know all about countertops. So when we go to someone at an expo like that and we expect to get professional advice, but then 
we find out we've been, well, lied to, doesn't set a good precedent. And this should really go without saying, but when you're at an expo, make sure that you are on point all day long. You don't want to say something that's going to come back to haunt you later or hurt your business's credibility or just make it look like you don't know what you're talking about. Worst of all, you don't want to make, you just don't want to look like you're being dishonest. So I know this is getting a little bit personal, but guys, I have to be honest with you. I've got to tell you these stories because the interesting part about what I do is, yes, I'm working in the trenches with designers and stagers all day long, but at the end of the day, I'm still a consumer. So I can see things from both sides of the coin, and my job is to bridge the gap between you and that consumer so that everyone is happy. Okay, now that I've got all the negative stuff out of the way, I want to focus on a few things that people did 100% right at this expo, and I hope that you guys will emulate all of this. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the different raffles and contests and giveaways that people will run from their booths at these expos. They'll just say, hey, enter our raffle. You can fill out this form, this little card with your information. And they always include a line for an email address. And I think that's absolutely genius because that is growing their mailing list and it's growing their mailing list in an offline way. So I know a lot of my clients will say they need to grow their mailing list, but they're not quite sure how to do it. Well, if you're doing it this way where you're asking people to volunteer their information in exchange for the chance to win something, that's completely okay. And it's actually really smart because even if you don't make any sales directly from being at that expo, if you can walk away with even just a few dozen email addresses, you have that many more warm leads that you can then market to through a monthly email newsletter. It's not rocket science, it's just savvy marketing. And let me tell you, the attraction, the thought of winning something gets everyone. My husband and I were walking around this expo and we saw the big green egg, this grill that my husband has wanted for the past two or three years. And I'm sure we'll get it once we have our new house and our back patio where he can grill to his heart's content. But he saw that he could win a big green egg. So he was like, oh my goodness, you sign up and I'll sign up. We'll double our chances of winning this thing. And then we walked away super excited just at the thought of winning this big green egg. Now, I knew when I was filling out the form that we were going to get contacted in some way, shape or form by this company, but that doesn't bother me. And I want you guys to know that People who sign up for your raffles, they're not going to be bothered either because they're just excited by the fact that they might win something from you. So not only does it put your company in a good light, but it is also getting people to volunteer their information, which means that you are not fishing for information and you're not going to be likely marked as spam when you do email them. Another thing I really appreciated about this expo was that only like one booth we walked past tried to do a really salesy approach. Everyone else, if they were happy to be there and interested, they were just happy to have a conversation. Now, the one booth, my favorite booth, and the only booth I actually bought something from that day was the handmade all-natural soap 
boo with it. Now, I am a natural health freak. I, I mean, you guys don't even know I could have a second career as a homeopathic doctor, but unfortunately, there are only so many hours in the day. So again, neither here nor there. I really love natural products. And when I saw this booth that was full of all these different soaps, I had to go smell like every single one until I felt dizzy. And my husband knows how I am, so he just kind of leaves me there. He'll walk away a little bit. He'll come back. I'm still over there huffing soap. And it's then he'll join me after a while. But the thing is, this particular booth was freaking genius. Not only did they have it displayed like a bakery, but their soaps actually looked like pastries and little confections. It was really awesome. Do you struggle with social media or email marketing? Socialite can help with email newsletters and social media posts that you can customize and use in minutes. Marketing your design or home staging firm has never been easier, faster, or more affordable. Visit katethesocialite.com to access free and premium marketing help for your business today. So these handmade soaps looked like little pastries and I could not figure out why. I mean, it was a pretty genius idea and it really made me want to buy the soap, which I did. I bought like four of them, but I struck up a conversation or like, let me rephrase that they struck up a conversation with me. Now, this is what I'm getting at here, guys. I do not ever want you guys to feel like you need to have an elevator pitch ready for anyone who comes by your booth. Because the reason why I was drawn to this particular booth, aside from what they offered and the fact that it smelled amazing, was that the people behind the booth were very welcoming and very approachable. It was a husband, wife, and then one other employee, and they struck up a conversation with me. They, But not right away. They let me take my time, smell a bunch of the soap, and then they started pointing out different suggestions like, well, try this one or try that one. You might like this one over here. And I did. It was amazing. And then I started talking to the owner about her soaps and why they looked so pretty. And she said, well, we used to own a Dairy Queen, which if you guys are not from the Midwest, um, the Dairy Queen is kind of like a Culver's or a Steak and Shake. It's like amazing. Okay. They've got ice cream cakes and really just some creative ice cream treats that if I wasn't allergic to dairy, I would go there a lot more. It is amazing. So she said, I used to decorate all these ice cream cakes and I'd pipe the frosting on. And then when I was making soap, she said to herself, well, there's no reason why I can't just pipe on this actual soap in different colors so that it looks like cake frosting. And oh my goodness, her soaps not only smell good, but they look good and they're natural. So I was all over that. But what I'm saying guys is, yeah, the presentation in your booth matters. What you offer at that show matters. But how you interact with people who come by your booth also matters. So if you stand there blankly, like you just really hate your life, not a good approach. But if you stand there and you are welcoming and engaging and you're more interested in talking to the people at your booth and asking them questions than you are at making them stand there and listen to a sales pitch, you're going to do really well. And those people made money that day. They were a really popular booth, not just with me. 
Now, I will say that the only vendor who tried to do a sales pitch was a, a window sales company. Not window treatments, but actual physical like glass pane window salesmen. And they were all lined up. They had this giant booth. They clearly spent a lot of money on it. And as my husband and I were walking down that aisle, they immediately stepped out like little soldiers and shoved a business card at us and said, hey, do you need new windows? And <laughs> right away, without even looking at them, my husband's like, nope. And he just kept on walking. And that's because it's not a good approach. It's never a good approach. If someone were to walk past your booth and you were like, hey, do you need home staging? They'd be like, who the heck are you? Because the truth is people need to know, like, and trust you before they'll be interested in what you have to offer. I mean, you might have the cure to cancer, which does exist, by the way, gotta throw that in there. But if they don't know, like, or trust you, they're not going to be interested in anything that you have to say. Absolutely nothing. So it's important that you create the right impression and that you have the right demeanor. All right, so now let's switch over and talk about trade shows because expos and trade shows are not the same thing. An expo is something that you would invite the consumers into. It's for the public, but trade shows are just that. They're for the trades so that you can see what is available to you in your industry so that you can meet potential partners, subcontractors, you name it. Now, I have worked a few trade shows and they're not exactly the most fun. I mean, I think we all can be honest about that, but they are a little bit more fun than expos because people there understand each other and you don't have to focus so much on sales pitches. Like I said before, you really shouldn't be focusing on those at all, but going to a trade show or working a trade show can be overwhelming because there are so many different companies out there you could be partnering with and maybe they'd help you grow your business or maybe you'd help them or maybe they would actually be detrimental to your business. So it's important to do your homework ahead of time and here is what I recommend. So when you're getting ready to attend or be part of a trade show, get a list of all the other businesses that will be there. And if you have time or you can, if your assistant has time, you can go through that list and just look up reviews of each company that you think would be a potential good fit to partner with your company. So you don't need to research every single one, but if you are a home stager and you see that there is a broker going to be there, just look up that broker because if they have really good reviews and they serve the same area that you do and the same clientele, that could be a really good referral partner. Now, the goal is to find just one or two companies like this that would be good referral partners. You don't need 10, you don't need 12, you don't need a lot of them because it's better to focus on one or two high quality companies who will give you high quality referrals and of course, companies that you can really easily refer people to, which means that you have to know, like, and trust them and they have to be comfortable with you. So once you narrow down two potential companies, make sure that you go visit their booth and just have a real conversation with the people at that booth and ask them for their contact information and then follow up with them, set up a coffee date, just keep it really casual, but let them know what your intentions are from the beginning. So when you walk up to their booth, you can say, hey, I'm really interested in what you guys do. This is what I do. And then you explain what you do and, and tell them, 
I am looking for someone to refer my clients to and I was wondering if you would be interested in some sort of referral partnership. Like it's nothing official, it's nothing fancy, you're not obligated by any means, but I would like to learn more about your company so that maybe we can help each other out and so that we can both serve our customers better. Because the only way you or they will be successful in business is if your end goal the heart behind everything you do is to help people, to help each other in business and to help your customers. If you're just chasing the bottom line, then, well, the bottom line is all you'll find and it may not be what you were after. So when you can narrow down one or two companies to partner with and follow up with them by having coffee or whatever it is that you drink, you can really start to develop a relationship. And like I say again and again on this show, relationships sell, specificity sells. So get specific about your relationships. Be intentional. You don't have to meet with these people every week or even every month. But if you can establish some camaraderie right from the start and get a good grasp on who they serve and if that lines up with who you serve, then you're golden. Then you have had a successful trade show. Now, one thing to keep in mind is, and how can I say this, guys? I'm just going to have to say it. There are some marketers out there who might tell you that the best way to grow your mailing list is to go to events like this and just collect business cards and then go home or back to your office and add that to your mailing list. But that's actually illegal. So I don't want to encourage you guys to do that because I don't want anyone to get in trouble because the anti-spam laws, at least here in the U.S., are extremely strict. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars in fines for each spam email sent out. So what I want you to keep in mind is that as you go around and you collect business cards, which, like I said, you really shouldn't be doing if you're only looking for one to two companies to partner with, Just remember that those companies or those individuals and those companies have not given you permission to put them on your mailing list. Now, this is not at all similar to if you're at an expo and you're running a raffle or some sort of contest because that means consumers are willingly, voluntarily giving you their information. But this is different because if somebody has a business card floating around, it doesn't mean, oh yeah, put me in your mailing list. It means if you're interested in doing business with me, call me. So it's important to differentiate between those two situations. Okay, so moving on, what I'm about to say applies not just to trade shows, but also to expos, but I've seen this happen at both. Um, You know that brand collateral that a lot of you give away, like pens or notepads or magnets or something be very intentional and very careful about what brand items you give away because most of it will end up in the garbage and there's a very small return on investment I know those things are not cheap so when you're investing your money make sure that you are investing in things that people will actually use For example, one of my remodeling company clients invested in mint flavored chapstick. It's got their logo on it, but it's also very usable. It's not like a magnet that just lands on your fridge or in the trash can and then nobody ever uses it for anything. So the interesting thing is they chose chapstick because we had a discussion about their ideal client. Now they deal primarily with females. They might be married, they might not be. 
But when it comes to issues in the home, they found that females were making all of the decisions. Now, any men listening are rolling their eyes like, yeah, 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 I know. Okay, ladies, I guess we've got this one, all right? But that's completely okay. So make sure that you are offering these little uh, handouts in a way that they're actually going to be a good fit for the people you want to attract. So if you're appealing to women and you, you start offering like beer bottle openers, I really would hesitate because not that women can't or shouldn't drink beer. Even I enjoy a good Coors Light now and then. It's not something that's going to attract enough of the right client. So really think about who you are trying to attract. So maybe you need to give away some chapstick because what woman doesn't love a good chapstick? Or maybe you need to give away little dry erase boards. Now I say dry erase boards because those things are incredibly handy. And I have one that on my fridge, had it for the past almost five years, and I write my meal plans on it every week. Now, granted, I've never called the company who has their logo all over it, but let me tell you, that thing is handy. And I do give props to that company for investing in a little handout that was applicable to a homeowner and it was actually useful because there's nothing worse than attending a trade show or an expo and coming home with a bag full of complete junk. So just make sure that you're being intentional with what you're giving away. Okay, so moving on, I'm going to share one final tip with you and let's be a little bit secretive about this because not all companies know what I'm going to tell you and that's okay. Because if you're the only one who knows, you're the only one who can take action and therefore you will reap the most benefit. Okay, guys, I'm kidding. Honestly, everyone should know this. Absolutely every company should know what I'm about to say here. What I'm about to tell you is pretty mind-boggling and I still can't wrap my head around it. Okay, so you know how you are busy collecting client email addresses at expos or trade shows or what have you? Well, did you know that most companies don't do much to follow up with those contacts that they've collected? Did you know that they don't send monthly email newsletters to like nurture those leads and then actually get business out of them? I mean, that just boggles my mind because that's like the whole point of going to an expo or a trade show. You are trying to get people to volunteer their email addresses, their names, their phone numbers, whatever it is you need, so that you can then reach out to them because it is your responsibility to reach out. If you expect people just to grab some of your brochures and then call you, it's not going to happen. That's why a monthly email newsletter is the best way to stay in touch with people. But most companies aren't doing this. They may send out one email one time and then they just leave those contacts by the wayside like, okay, well, that didn't work. Maybe we'll try again next year. But that's not the right approach. So I want you guys to look at the marketing strategy behind expos and trade shows from a very holistic standpoint. You need to be following up with these people all year long just once a month. That way it's not frequent enough to irritate them, but not infrequent enough for people to completely forget that you and your company exist. Now, I wanna attack on one more thing here. Your monthly email newsletters to these people should not be sales pitches. Again, I, I don't like sales pitches, nobody does. They just, they had their day and now they're done. 
But what you should be doing is exactly what I said you should be doing at expos and trade shows. Look for ways to develop relationships and start conversations. Be helpful, offer tips, offer advice, make sure it's accurate advice. You already heard my disdain for the inaccurate advice I received. But make sure that you are being intentional and following up with all the contacts that you get from these events because it's not cheap to do those events. So make it worth your while. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions about this episode, if you want to suggest a topic, or if you would like to be on the show, please email me at kate at katethesocialite.com. Or you can catch up on past episodes at katethesocialite.com forward slash the Kate show. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Kate Show. Please hit the subscribe button and share this episode with a business bestie who needs to grow her interior design or home staging firm. To inquire about our products and services, please visit us at katethesocialite.com. Until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear.